Hi there. I am Jennifer Dole, your host of HR Tech Chat. And today's podcast, we've got some great guests, Larry McAllister and Al D. Um, welcome to the podcast. Larry, you want to do a quick introduction? Thank you, Jen. Glad to be back. Uh, my name is Larry McAllister. I was a three-time CHRO uh, for the past 10 years. Uh, ran HR transformation technology for two Fortune 500 companies. About a year ago, I started on my own, uh, writing this book called The Power to Transform, uh, and working with Jen and Al on, you know, just talking all things leadership and technology and transformation. So glad to be here. And Al, you want to introduce yourself? Sure. Happy to do so. Great to be here. My name is Al D. Uh, for the past 15 years, I've worked a very similar area at the intersection of people, organizations, and technology. Uh, I like to tell people that I try to help smart people become people smart. And I what like I do, that. how I do that today is in uh, going into companies and helping them think about how they develop the next generation of leaders. And then also really spending a lot of time thinking about actually doing that within organizations. And so uh, trying to help them uh, develop leaders who can lead and manage and effectively in today's world of work. It's certainly not a surprise that we're all together and we all know each other, right? Because <laughs> we're traveling that journey together. So really appreciate you being here today. Um, I want to dive into inclusive leadership. And to get us started, like, what are some of the qualities of inclusive leaders? I can start because I know Alice the expert on this. So I'll just think of what's in my mind. I think the number one thing to be an inclusive leader is courage, mm. right? It's so easy to worry that you're going to mess it up or you're going to offend somebody. Um, I think being courageous and knowing intentionally that to be a great leader is to be an inclusive leader, right? We've all said uh, always knowing each employee, what their are is what works. Uh, anything that's, you know, very, you're trying to, yeah no I, I i what i would add to that is when i think about two things about leadership so the first is just the general idea of your desire to uh, help people get more together right and so i think part of being inclusive in leadership is this aspiration and belief that you want to set conditions to get more out of everyone and the willingness to kind of see that and search for that. I think the second thing that comes to mind is really in thinking about what makes us uniquely human and leaning into those things. And so I think courage certainly is something that uh, a human can do that a, uh, an AI bot can't. But I also think about things like listening with empathy, acting with compassion, self-awareness, I think those are also other elements I would add to it. Yeah. I mean, you bring up the AI bot, right? And um, I did a presentation with Brent Skinner, my uh, the co-founder of 360 and at Unleash. And we talked about the technology can help you with efficiency, but it, you have to balance that with empathy. And um, I think it's just an important kind of concept for people as they're looking at technology and the transformation. Larry, yeah. you've got a lot of experience. Yeah, we just, it reminds me of two things. So I've been saying that um, technology will take some of your job or some jobs, but that's not the point, 
The point of technology in our space is to get you to the human interaction much faster with more actionable data. So being a great leader means you understand uh, what's going on. You understand the people's voice. So many of these technologies give you different views of the employee voice. And as we know, to be a great leader, you have a great team. Uh, and to have a great team is each person has to be hitting on all cylinders. And if, you have, if you're not allowing or engaging someone because it is an inclusive story for you, you're never going to have a great team. So using technology to understand how to get to these conversations quicker, and like Alice said, with empathy and curiosity, uh, these these tools are here to get you there uh, more knowledgeably than in the past. Even more powerful than just an employee survey. It's you know if you go to coaching, you get you get to see what a group of people who are being coached really care about, uh, and that just makes you smarter. So I like Al's idea of people smart. These tools are helping people smart for sure. Yeah. What I what I, I would just add to that and what I think about a lot of times is if we just go back to our basics of of what uh, Edgar Schein taught us about organizations, uh, we, we remember that organizations are just a bunch of people working towards shared goals. And so when I think about inclusive leadership, I think about it through the lens of this idea of curiosity and inquiry to finding out how can we work together to achieve those shared goals and a willingness, I would say, whether you're using technology or whether you're using humans to go and find those ideas and to find uh, the the things that uh, bring uh, the people have, the skills they have, the knowledge they have, the ideas they have uh, to generate some kind of towards some goal or outcome. And so I think that in, in the inclusive piece of it is just that hunger to, to search and to look uh, for uh, what is out there, as well as the ability to enable uh, other people uh, to come to the table to bring that and to create conditions so that they bring that. And that's all people, um, for sure. So Jen, at your Unleash event, what kind of, did you get some questions? Like what were some people's minds that were in the audience? Um, so HR felt like they were the owners of being empathetic towards people. And I said, no, you need to share that. <laughs> And, and then they did, there was another group that talked about um, using technology to help them figure out who's going to be in the office and who's not going to be in the office and this whole return to the office. Um, and they said, we're using this technology to figure out how we can be more empathetic towards people and what they need. And I was just like, you're in the right place. <laughs> So, you know, it was just, it was mixed between, you know, those two views. But um, based on like what Al was saying around um, curious, I love that word curious. And I'd like to replace critical with curious, right? So I think managers sometimes can be critical of, you know, are you working all day long if you're at home or why do you need that time off or why do you think that? But if they were less critical and more curious, would they be more inclusive? So I'm actually drawn to some of the conversations I've had with Larry previously about some of the work that he did at NetApp and this idea of the enabling the whole self and enabling the whole human. And I think about Jennifer, that example you just gave in terms of leaders thinking about a policy for return or going going to the office and what that means. And you know, maybe trying to use Larry's model and in thinking about the whole human, uh, in terms of the leader, 
the leader may have their own ideas and views about why there should be they should have a certain policy or the benefits that they think they have. But using that curiosity to understand the whole human of, well, what does that look like for my people? And really leaning in and trying to understand what are what is going on and what could be going on that would perhaps make this policy a great policy or perhaps maybe not make it so great. And again, using that curiosity to figure that out. And again, there is a technology component to that because you can certainly listen and you can certainly pulse and you can certainly ask your people. Uh, but in addition to that, you can also certainly just be curious yourself and go down the hall and talk to them or, or catch them on Zoom to do it. But um, I, I'm thinking about that within some of the conversations I've had with Larry about just that framework that they use at NetApp to really better understand uh, their employees as well as what they could enable uh, for their employees to be successful, regardless of what policy or process they were thinking about. No, that's a good point. This whole idea, I mean, we know it now. I, I've said this a lot recently, like 30 years ago, you had, have, you had to have big muscles to do your job because there was much more physical labor. Now it's all about your brain, your heart, and your soul. Uh, and and if an, as a manager or as an organization, you're not given agency or license to talk to your employees about that stuff. You're missing more than half the picture. You know, it's not like, like when I first came up, you would never talk about your personal life or what you're going through at work, right? You didn't never would. But now as mental fitness becomes more in society, you know, we've seen a lot of athletes come out and say how important well-being is for them and drives elite athleticism. Same thing at work. You know, it's a muscle that we have to build. And, and you know, we would do these quarterly conversations where at first it was about career and future and not just day-to-day -day work. It was about thinking about you and your boss talking about the future. But as time has gone on, we started building um, questions around the well-being. How are you doing? Are you feeling burned out? What can we do to you know, help you stay healthy and accelerate and bring you a coach? So if you're not playing both sides of the equation, work and, and mental being, uh, mental fitness, you're missing out. Uh, and more and more tools are helping us understand that. So let's dive into the like business outcomes of inclusive leadership, because I hear so often that this is sort of like the soft stuff, but I'm going to argue that the soft stuff is the hard stuff and that you can actually, um, you know, put a business outcome, influence a business outcome with this. So curious around, you know, how do you go have that conversation with the CFO? <laughs> Well, for me, I was just at the Better Up Uplift Conference, right, where they talk about, you know, Alexi, who's the CEO, kicks off with, here are actual results. Mm -hmm. So across, he, he focused mostly on sales. So he and Salesforce, they teamed up. Uh, and you could see sales folks who had coaching versus those who didn't had double the um, sales velocity, uh, size of deal, they were healthier, they missed less days. And there's a stark difference. And the proof is now true. I think people used to call it soft because you couldn't prove it. Uh, you know, what's the ROI and having a healthy employee. But now with the data that coaching, straight up coaching, makes your sales force better across all industries. It's flat out incontrovertible. Uh, and, and I think that more and more of that has to happen to convince the CFO, uh, mm -hmm. who I think is starting to get it a little more and more. Al, I'd love to hear your sort of thoughts on that. Well, no, I mean, I think, you know, Larry having probably, I assume at some point in his career has had to have these conversations before around this. And so I, I think uh, that the quantifiable approach that you mentioned, I think is, is, is the right one to start. But let's, I think that if we're being honest with ourselves here, 
we've uh-huh. we've all seen the statistics. They've all been there, right? They, this is not new. They've they've studied them for they've studied this for years, right? And so, um, I think the question becomes, uh, if the statistics are there, what is present that is perhaps not enabling us to 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 come around to those or to action upon those? Because uh, there, like uh, Better Up's got some great stats. Uh, McKinsey's looked at this before. Uh, there's long been decades that has shown that diverse teams outperform. Uh, those that are are not as diverse, and so I think the, the curious question I'm, you know, kind of thinking about is what conditions do we need to enable within companies that they begin to 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 come around to this? Because I think the data certainly is there, um, and I think one other like aspect of this that sometimes I I I think about is this idea around. So we talk about some metrics around things like engagement, productivity, and retention, but sometimes what we fail to do is also to even ask ourselves how are we defining what those are. Right. Mm-hmm. And let's take productivity as an example. Right. What, what what does that even mean? Right. Like, what does that mean within our organization or even retention for that matter? Um, Larry, I think you and I have talked about this before, but uh, the way that we maybe viewed retention 30 or 40 years ago uh, versus what we might view it today, just given the context and changing nature of the environment might be slightly different. And so um, while I do think that on one hand, uh, some of the data that we've been looking for in terms of the business case has always been there. I think the other curious question I have is that in today's world of work, are some of those same metrics still relevant? And that doesn't necessarily mean that we shouldn't be inclusive. I think it does, but I think it points to a broader question that even if you're someone who says that you're data-driven, are you are also asking yourself, are we like not only measuring the right things, but we do we actually have we actually defined them in a way that is fit for for today's world of work? Such great points. So one other thing I want to bring up when I thought about how how DIMB or DEI is treated at some companies. It's more like, let's get people to think about it. Come on, it's the right thing. You know, we have we have facts and figures around it. But what are, what are companies doing to enable managers to do something about it? So one thing I saw when I was at Unleash is this company called Clovis AI, and they're doing interviewing for diversity. Uh, and so they do similar stuff that you've seen before where they'll look at the job description and say, you know, this is not, this looks very, you're about to hire a man, right? Like that. But what I really liked is they'll analyze the interview. So they'll, you know, as you're interviewing a candidate, they'll analyze that interview and then give pointers to the hiring manager of better language, how to have a better experience with the, with the candidate and how to think as you're talking and analyzing what you're getting back from a candidate uh, to do it in a much more equilateral way. So anything that is teaching people how to do stuff is way more powerful than just saying it's the right thing to do, even though it is the right thing to do. So this is my favorite subject. It's the intersection of technology and diversity, equity, and inclusion, and and particularly like um, promoting women in the workplace. We've seen a lot of challenges that women have gone through through the pandemic, and that many of them are quitting the workforce or not being promoted because they've got all these other responsibilities. And you know, I'm committed to raising more awareness around how technology can help this. And it AI is doing some amazing things right now. Yeah, two things I would say. Um, I think I told you this last time, Jenna, I posted it on one of your LinkedIn posts that when we, when I first I brought Better Up into a company, because we had 30 female directors whose engagement scores were dropping 
time over time. So we asked them, what would you want? And they said a coach or a mentor. Uh, and I, I firmly believe it's very difficult to have managers learn how to be real coaches. It's a, it's a, it's a commitment to do it and you have to build that skill. So we brought in better up and those 30, which is individual growth, whole person growth, like Al was mentioning before, you know, it's perfect. Uh, if you're having, if something outside your job, like maybe kids or something are affecting what you're doing at work. So to have a coach do the whole thing. So after a year, all 30 of those direct women were still engaged, still at work uh, and asked to sign up for another year. So that's technology of AI matching you to the coach that fits you best, right? So AI to match you to the right coach and then the right coach to have the personal interaction. Uh, and, and that was what made me take better up to me to this day was that specific instance. So as Larry was talking, the other thing I, I think about sometimes is uh, ONA or organizational network analysis and using that technology to find the spots in your organization or to find the people who can be the mavens or the nodes or the connectors, if you will. And it's really interesting because uh, I've, I've, seen, I've talked to see some uh, both uh, cert, uh, consultancies that do this as well as uh, software providers that do this. And a lot of times they will, before they do a project with a company, they'll say, okay, tell me who you think the nodes in your company are and they'll, they'll list off like a list of people and then they'll say okay well we're, we're going to go and try to find out and what, what, there's always a really really interesting conversation and discussion of the people who based off of what we believe are critical levers of leadership or connection or maybe or who are the mavens versus what we go and find in reality and i always think that's such a fascinating uh, dichotomy and particularly through the lens of inclusion right because there can be some people who are incredibly impactful in your organization, but if your mindset and belief about quote unquote, what leadership looks like is a certain way that is going to screen for a certain type of individual. And that might not always be realistic or in reality or expansive enough to account for the many other types of leadership that might exist within your organization. And so uh, I, I think that's, that's certainly one thing. And then the other thing, Jennifer, that comes up, particularly when we're talking about women is this idea and concept of social capital. And the ways in which we can think more expansively and be more inclusive about fostering that social capital, or in some ways, uh, giving away that social capital to, to people, particularly those who potentially are overlooked or underserved. And I wonder the role that technology maybe could play in, in doing some of that. Yeah, I've spent some time talking um, with the CEO of uh, Performica, which is um, organizational network analysis. And, you know, he likes to say, like, work doesn't get done through an org chart anymore. The hierarchy, it's just, that's just not the way work, it works. But it's all these relationships that you have within an organization. And he's actually got data that shows um, how, you know, people that influ the influencers in the organization have such an impact on their network, right? Good or bad, it's there. Um, and that they found that leaders weren't the ones that were the most influential. So it's it's really interesting. And then I wrote a case study on um, using it for restructuring, right? Restructuring is made through Excel spreadsheets and they just, you know, I mean, I'm very much generalizing right now, but restructuring is done so archaically and there's new technology that can let you do it um, so that you've got the right organization in place afterwards. Um, 
So I have a, a side to uh, organizational analytics. There's this company I worked with called Presidio, and they are able to say, oh, you looked at them too, Jen, remember? So they're able to say, we can say who are high risk turnover people because of what's going on in their in their life. So um, this person is in meetings 80% of their day. Uh, and that that is a higher risk of people leaving. Or they had one analysis in a company where five or six people took a training course on how to become a manager. They didn't get promoted and they all left. Or they say, you know, most of your meetings are with these seven people, four of them left. Uh, so now you're a higher risk. So not only does it give you your higher, your higher, you could just say, who are my highest risk people to turn over and why? Gives you the list automatically. And then back to taking action, how technology helps you take action. Then you say, well, what can I do to help these people? And it gives you a list of how to work. So if you're seeing uh, higher turnover in underrepresented groups, this is giving you the data of why that might be. And that before we didn't know, right? We were just like, oh, this keeps happening. Let's start another training program. This is saying that's because these guys are not connected to the people who are making change or whatever it is. So, you know, Al brought up ONA, but I think it's really getting more and more precise. So uh, more of this for sure, I think, Al and Jen. Yeah, I mean, the technology is getting you to that personal conversation. Um, but let's think about like the experience of the leaders right now. They've got so much thrown at them. How do they, how do we help them? <laughs> oh, where, where do we, where do we start? Uh, well, time today, but I know, <laughs> really? Well, I, yeah, well, I mean, I think, um, a, a couple things. So I think if you're assuming that you're a leader who cares, I think the first place to start is is what they tell you when you when you get onto an airplane, right? With this with the safety instruction videos, right? So you need to take care of yourself first before you you assist someone else, right? Um, and 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 I think that 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 is the right the right place to start. And so uh, and I mean that in two ways. One is in terms of just given all that the demands and what's going on of taking care of yourself. But the other thing in terms of checking yourself about yourself with respect to inclusion, with inclusion, right? What ways and what behaviors are you demonstrating where you're showing up as inclusive? You know, what are some things that maybe perhaps you're not doing uh, that you could be doing to, to demonstrate more inclusion? And what are some of potential uh, spots that you, you you might be biased against that you can't see that you might need some more help with? Uh, before you can start trying to make space for other people, I think it's first best first to, to, to really start with, with, with yourself. So I think, I think that's the first thing I would say. And then the second thing that I would, I would say, and this goes for anything that a leader does. Um, if you ever want anyone to do a specific thing or model a specific behavior, unless you're actually going to do it yourself, uh, the odds that you're going to achieve some sort of outcome that's significantly different than what's designed today, are I think are just a lot less possible. And so once you have figured it out for yourself, then it becomes, okay, well, how do I start modeling this in in my each and every day? And so those would be the two places that I I, I would start. Yeah, the the taking care of yourself first is one thousand percent true. You cannot drive energy if you don't have your own. I mean, that's flat out. The second thing I would say, I've spent a huge part of my career saying the employee um, manager relationship is the most important relationship in the company. And what organizations do. To muddy that relationship is incredible. So much extra stuff. Fill out forms, take mandatory trainings, write long development plans, do all of this stuff to scaffold them 
as opposed to what I try to do, rip all that out and say, let me give you three easy ways for you guys to work together, right? Making it easier. Keep dropping stuff on a manager is just, it's just takes them backwards, right? To, they have to climb through all this minutia to get to the relationship, which is the only thing that matters. So I think organizations are incumbent on organizations to say, what can we do to make this easier? Uh, and hand them tools that make them understand how to take action to be a better leader or a better inclusive leader. What are easy uh -huh. ways for them to happen? I trust a relationship more than I trust a training. Uh, and it's our idea to enable them to do that. Yeah, and I think to, to Larry's point, I, I really do fundamentally believe this when I say this, but nobody goes to work wanting to do a bad job, right? Like no one goes in every day and thinking like, you know what, I really hope I do a crappy job today, right? But there are so many things that get in the way of people just being able to do a job they're assigned to do and to do it well. And the more that we can, to Larry's point, to remove those friction points so we can just let people do their jobs and to do them well, to gain that sense of autonomy, autonomy, mastery, and purpose that we know will make them uh, feel engaged and feel excited about the work they do. The more that we can do that, sometimes with technology, although one could argue that sometimes technology is the friction point, but uh, we, when we can think about how do we make things simple, how do we make things easy, how do we use technology to do that, I think that's another really good place to start. Because the one thing that we all have in common about going to work every day is that none of us want to show up and do a bad job. Sounds like the manager experience is the next frontier, right? We spend a lot of time with the employee experience, but I think the manager experience is where we need to spend some time next. And how do you say less is more? I'd rather have yeah. I'd rather give them fewer things that are powerful than keep adding more and more stuff on them for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 Jen, I think you're spot on with that comment. And Larry, I agree with you that relationship that an individual employee has with their manager. I mean, that is how an employee feels connection to the work, to the company, to their peers. And the more that we can maybe laser in and really rethink about, rethink what it means to be a manager in today's world of work. I think there's a lot of opportunity there to, to really not only improve it, but if you can improve that, I think that can be such a force more multiplier for any other outcomes that you're trying to drive in your business. And I think that's where we leave it today. <laughs> so thank you both so much for being here. This has been a wonderful conversation. I, I just enjoy spending time with both of you and I always learn something and I always feel a little bit smarter um, just talking to all of you. So, so thank you. This has been 360 Insights HR Tech Chat. Um, and we've certainly covered it a lot today. So thank you for being here. Thank you for listening. And we'll talk soon. Thanks, Jen. Thanks, Al.